So I was 17 years old, and I had developed a habit, uh, addiction really, on watching movies. I was still going to church and probably the occasional prayer meeting, but my mind was far away from the spiritual things of the Bible. I, my mind would be thinking about what, ne- what, what, what is the next movie I was going to watch. And I would go to the library. They had free DVDs they could rent. And I would go to uh, the Blockbuster. They charged, but I would rent movies out. But they wouldn't always have what I wanted to watch. So that was the downside of those options. Well, one day my mother asked me to go on an errand to go grocery shopping. I said, well, okay. Uh, I wasn't planning to stay outdoors uh, or outside away from my uh, little computer for very long, but I'll go. So she gave me some money, just enough for the groceries, and I headed out on my bicycle to go get that groceries. And when I got to the store, I naturally drifted towards the movie section or the media section of the store. And I was browsing some of the movies that they had, and I noticed a movie that I could not find, but I wanted to watch really, really bad. So I quickly looked out to my wallet and counted how much money I had. I, I did a quick calculation in my head. If I bought the groceries, will I be able to buy this movie? And I found out, well, if I buy all the groceries, then I won't be able to buy this movie. So I made a decision that day to take that DVD home. And this act in the United States is called stealing. Well, I put the DVD and looked around, put the DVD in my pocket and started walking, walking towards the exit. And I was still looking around and I noticed somebody was following me. Oh, and I I got a little bit creeped out. I didn't think, well, I have something in my pocket. That's why this person is following me. I didn't think that. First thing that came to my mind was, oh, this person probably wants to kidnap me. Because I I just heard of a kidnapping story of of, of a 17-year-old. So I said, well, I don't want to leave a public place. So let me walk around the store one more time and make sure that this person is following me. So I went around the store and indeed this person was following me. So I thought to myself, what can I do? Maybe if I confront him. Maybe he'll get surprised and scared and he'll leave me alone. So I went up to him and said, are you following me, sir? Are you a pedophile or something? And what happened was that I was surprised and I was scared instead. He said, no, I'm not. He grabbed me by the shoulder and took me to the security office. (laughs) And in the security office, he showed me evidence after evidence that they knew that I took something. And I had no choice but to say, okay, I confess, here's the DVD that I stole. And the person said, I knew it. (laughs) And uh, at that time, I felt very foolish and vulnerable. And the person, the security officer said, I'll give you two, two options. He said, I could call the police right now and this incident will go on your record for the rest of your life and you'll have problems finding jobs, etc., etc." Well, I said, well, that's not good. What's the second option? Continued. He said, the second option I have for you is to call your father and he could deal with you. And I thought to myself, I, and I wasn't sure which one I was more terrified about. <laughs> Facing my father and the consequences with my father or facing the police. Well, 
After I thought about it, I quickly realized if the police is called, the, my father is going to be called anyway. So I opted for the, uh, I cut out the middleman and uh, opted for the parental consequence. So the security officer called the, my father and I waited there in the security office. Seemed like hours when it was only a few minutes. And sooner or later I heard a knock on the security door and I could see from the little square window that it, my father's head, uh, I could see. And... Uh, my, the security officer went to talk to him, and he said, you could go. And I didn't have the guts to look at my, my father in the eyes or anything. I just looked down and followed him behind him silently, hoping that he would not talk to me. And it seemed like hours again uh, in the car ride going home. And uh, when we got home, my mother was waiting for me. But I didn't look at them or look at my mother and I just quickly walked, walked into my room hoping that they would leave me alone, that they won't follow me. But a few seconds later, they were there asking me those painful questions. And when I finally looked up and saw my parents' face, I, I was shocked. I thought they would be very angry at me. I thought they would be ready to whip me till I can't stand up. What I saw that day broke my heart. What I saw was disappointment, the face of disbelief. They were so sad and heartbroken. Then I realized that I stopped thinking about myself and realized that how much pain I caused my parents and what they were going through. And I realized that I needed to ask for forgiveness from my parents. And not from my parents only, but from God as well. And they forgive me right away without hesitation. No, no more questions, just said, you're forgiven. And that's when I couldn't hold my tears back anymore. And I started weeping. And I was aggrieved that day. In everyone's life, there's moments when we are driven to grief because of, what, of a realization of the wrong that you did, but then followed by an undeserved forgiveness and grace that is offered to you. Peter is one man that in the Bible that is that has gone through such experience. He was driven to grief. In John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. Turn with me to John chapter 21, verses 15, 15 through 19. In this passage, Peter is asked to feed the flock, to shepherd the flock. But at the end, Peter seems to be grieving. Why is Peter grieving? Is shepherding the flock such a hard task that Peter is grieving? I don't want to do this. Or are the sheep so mean that Peter is saying, Ah, oh, I can't do this, and he's grieving? Why is Peter grieving? Let's dig in. Starting with John chapter 21, verse 15, it says, So when they had eaten breakfast, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, son, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? More than these. He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Now imagine with me, Peter and the disciples sitting around a campfire that Jesus had prepared. And everyone is staring at the fire. They're all silent, just gazing into the fire, dazed. They're contemplating on their thoughts. And Peter in particular seemed to be deep in thought, and something is weighing on him very deeply. Jesus had just performed an amazing miracle with the fish and the lake, 
and Peter is driven back to a memory that took place three years ago when Peter was called by Jesus to follow him. Peter remembers leaving everything to follow Jesus. He even owned his own boat. He distinctly remembered what he, he thought the first time that Jesus performed that same miracle with fishing. He, he was probably thinking, oh, this has to be the Messiah, the one that is capable of allowing us to catch so many fish to the point that our nets is breaking. This has to be the Messiah. And he is calling me today to be his disciple. Oh, this has to be the Messiah. He was so sure, thinking, John the Baptist talked about him. Must be the Messiah. Even my brother Andrew, he thinks he's the Messiah. Who else can it be that can do such a miracle? It has to be God, the Messiah. It was so clear to him at that time. So he left everything to follow Jesus. His career. He, he, he left his possessions, his boats, his nets. He left all to respond to the call of Jesus. He was so proud back then that he was able to leave everything. I'm the greatest disciple among all disciples, he probably thought. And as if Jesus was reading his mind, Jesus breaks the silence around the campfire and speaks to Peter. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Peter, Peter is startled by the word that he used. He said, in the Greek, the word love is agape, or in this case, agapao, but you probably heard agape before, right? It's the same word, agapao, agape. It's the highest love, highest form of love, the sacrificial kind of love, the love that is capable of leaving everything, the love that is capable of loving your enemies, leaving everything for one. Peter feels like he is caught red-handed again with fishing in the lake. Peter quickly replies, Yes, yes, Lord, I, I, I love you. He was little scared to reply agape. He was a little unsure, so he does not reply with agape. Peter instead uses another Greek word, phileo, which is a step down from agape, which is more of a brotherly love, a love that is driven from emotions. He wasn't sure of himself anymore. Before he was so confident, but now his confidence is gone. But Jesus replies, feed my lambs. Peter is starting, startled again. Jesus is commanding me to be a leader? Peter is driven to search his heart. I thought I left, every, I left, left everything three years ago, but I'm caught red-handed again fishing. Jesus told me that I will be a fisher of men, but I'm here over here being fishers of fish. This is not what Jesus wants me to do. He wants me to be a fisher of men. Do I really love Jesus more than fishing? More than boats? More than my friends? More than any of these? Can I really say that I love Jesus more than any of the disciples? <coughs> and Jesus is asking us the same question. Every time we read the Bible, every time we open the Bible, it's as if Jesus is asking you, Do you love me more than these? Do you love Jesus more than your hobbies? Do you love Jesus more than your car? Do you love Jesus more than your family? Do you love Jesus more than your husband? Do you love Jesus more than your wife? Do you love Jesus with the agape kind of love? Or do you love Jesus with the phileo kind of love, driven with emotions, on fire one moment and cold the next? Because Jesus agapes you. He loves you so much that He died for you. 
He is on fire for you constantly. The work of restoration had begun in Peter's heart, and Jesus was clipping back the shoots of evil in Peter's heart. Shoots of self-reliance, shoots of worldly love, shoots of anxiety. Yet the root of evil was left unclipped, left to spring up and defile. Have you allowed Christ to do the work in your heart that is necessary, just like Peter has? Are you allowing God to prune the shoots of evil in your life? It was silent again around the campfire. And perhaps Peter looks away to the Sea of Tiberias this time, down the coastline, and another memory comes back when he was with Jesus on a different coastline. Peter, had, Peter has just been commended for giving the right answer to Jesus' question. And Jesus commends Peter with these words, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He was so sure that he was divinely inspired. He was proud that he was found on the side of the Father in heaven. It seemed like he was filled with holiness. And pride caused him to rebuke Jesus because he thought that Jesus was speaking negatively about himself. That Jesus was speaking contrary to the, the prophecies in the Bible. Peter thought that Jesus would be a conquering king. Peter thought that Jesus would reestablish Jerusalem for the Jews. But he remembers how wrong he was. Those words uttered by Jesus came back to mind, still crystal clear in his, in his ears. Jesus rebuked Peter, Get behind me, Satan! You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. How can it be that he was filled with the holiness of God one moment and then filled with evilness of Satan the next. And as if Jesus knew exactly what Peter was thinking, Jesus breaks the silence around the campfire once again in verse 16. Follow with me. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Again, Jesus asked Peter, Do you agape me? Do you have that love for me? The highest kind of love. The sacrificial kind of love. The self-denying love for me. This was reminiscent of what Jesus said right after Peter was rebuked with those, Get behind me, Satan. He follows right after that rebuke. Jesus says in verse 24 of Matthew 16, Jesus told Peter and the disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Peter was driven to search his heart even deeper now. The pride that he showed back then, the preconceived idea of what the Messiah should be in his own mind, the idea that Peter would be sitting next to the Son of God as he ruled the earth, the honor that he would receive in that position, the power that he would receive in that position, Oh, he was filled with prideful, pridefulness and selfishness. Not really sure of himself anymore, Peter responds to Jesus very quickly. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Again, he uses the phileo kind of love. Love that is driven from emotion. Love that we use amongst friends. A lesser kind of love than agape. Love based on feelings. 
But then Peter is startled once again with the next words of Jesus. Jesus said to him, Tend my sheep. You mean Jesus still wants me to lead his people? Still be a leader among his people? He can't believe his ears. Peter realizes the need for him to pick up his cross and follow Jesus. The need to lose self and allow Jesus to live within his heart. Jesus is also asking us today, if we agape him, if we have the selfless kind of love for him, not driven by pride, not driven by self, are you following Jesus because you think it will bring you fame? Are you following Jesus because you think you'll, it, it will bring you wealth? Are you following Jesus because you think it will bring you good luck? Or are you following Jesus because you love him, because you agape him? Are you willing to deny self? Are you willing to pick up your cross and follow him? Do you love Jesus regardless of how you feel? Do you love Jesus regardless of your circumstances? Because Jesus agapes you. He said, I love you. When he was dying on the cross, regardless of how he felt, he still said, I agape you. Jesus literally picked up his cross for you and for me. Another shoot of evil is clipped in Peter's heart. Shoot of pride, shoot of selfishness. Jesus was pruning Peter's life. Yet the root of evil remained unclipped. Left to spring up and defile. Peter needed to allow him, allow Jesus to get to the root of his evil. Do you struggle with pride or selfishness? Jesus is calling us to search our hearts and allow him to clip back the shoots of pride and shoots of selfishness. Jesus will give you the strength to pick up your cross and follow him. Now it becomes silence once again around the campfire. And Peter looks away once more. Maybe this time he looked down the path that was next to him. And another memory comes back to, for, to hit the forefront. He remembers being in the Garden of Gethsemane and seeing a mob of people with torches coming up a dimly lit path. Peter was confident that at that time that he would be the one that would stand firmly next to Jesus to defend him, to fight for him. He had even proclaimed a few hours ago, that even though everyone else leaves, I will stand firmly right next to you. He remembers being with Jesus and Jesus predicting that he would actually deny him three times that very night. But he thought, that's absurd. He thought that he would stand next to the Son of God to death. He remembers pulling out his little sword and cutting off someone's ears. He remembers thinking, this is it. This is where Jesus takes over Jerusalem. This is where it starts. This is our revolution. But oh, he was so wrong. It becomes clear to him that Jesus was not going to fight them. In fact, he healed the ear that he cut off and told Peter to put away his sword. He remembers how easily Jesus let himself to be captured and be brutally abused. Fear overtook Peter. And in fact, he was so scared that he ran away and when somebody grabbed his coat he allowed it to be ripped off and he ran away naked he remembers following jesus with john at a distance so that the soldiers will not find out it was john that got him into the courtyard that accusative accusative tone of the servant girl asking him are you a disciple of jesus and it pained him to think about the response that he gave no i'm not i'm not the disciple of Jesus. He denied Jesus 
for the first time. A few moments later, people got suspicious of Peter when he was warming up his hands on a fire. Aren't you a disciple of Jesus? Peter said, no. He denied his Lord and Savior a second time. It pained him. And the third time, somebody asked him if he was a disciple of Jesus. It pained him even more to remember the curse words that he uttered, the profane words that he uttered to deny Jesus for the third time. Jesus, his Savior, he could still hear the ring of the rooster crowing. He cannot forget the heart-searching eyes locking on to his own eyes amongst the chaos that was happening. The disappointed eyes and Peter realizes that he had failed. He realizes his weakness and hopelessness. He remembers rushing out of the courtyard, going down towards the Garden of Gethsemane, not caring where he's going to end up. With his contrite heart, he, he reflected with tears and agony. He remembers all those moments that Jesus warned him. All those moments that Jesus tenderly instructed him. With loving kindness, he spoke to him. But now Peter had failed his master. He turned away from the Son of God. And again, as if Jesus knew exactly what Peter was thinking about, he breaks the silence around the campfire and speaks to Peter. In verse 17, he said to him again the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter grieved. Peter grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Peter is shocked by the third question. Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? But this time it wasn't the agape kind of love. It was the phileo kind of love. Jesus uses the lesser Phileo type of love. To Peter, it was as if Jesus was asking him, Do you even phileo me? You've been saying that you phileo me. You've been saying that you really, really phileo me. But do you even love me with the phileo kind of love? The one that denied me three times. And this is when Peter cannot hold it back anymore. The tears come in. And he was grieved on a multiple level. He realizes that Jesus is restoring him for the three times that he denied him. He realizes the deep love that Jesus has for him, the agape kind of love that Jesus has for him. And Peter realizes how far he, has, he was from having the same kind of agape love for Jesus. Yet Jesus was willing to take him back. That Peter had not gone too far. That Jesus' grace is bigger than his sins in his life. Peter realizes that Jesus died for him, for his sins. That's how much Jesus loves him. All the teachings that Jesus taught him starts to make sense to him. Jesus, agape is me, but I'm not willing to have the same kind of agape love for him. I'm still driven by phileo kind of love. I'm still stuck at the phileo kind of love. How foolish I am with my pride. How selfish I am with my thoughts. And Peter replies, Lord, you know all things. You know what is in my heart. 
he recognizes the omniscience of Jesus and says, you know I love you. You know I feel I owe you. And Jesus again calls him to feed my sheep, to shepherd the flock. Finally, finally, the root of evil has been clipped. The root was reached and the probes reached the soul center. Self-judged, Peter falls upon the rock. And we must also be driven to fall upon the rock, which is Jesus Christ, our Savior. In an article from December 22, 1898, it says this, This heart-searching question was necessary in the case of Peter, and it is necessary in our case. The work of restoration can never be thorough unless the roots of evil are reached. Again and again, shoots have been clipped, while the root of bitterness have been left to spring up and defile many. But, but, but the very depth of the hidden evil must be reached. The moral senses must be judged and judged again in the light of the divine presence. The daily life will testify whether or not the work is genuine. Are you allowing Jesus to prune your shoots and roots in your life? To take away the bitterness in your life? To take away the hidden evils in your life? God awaits you to allow Him to do the work that is necessary in your heart. To die to self and to be alive to God so that you may also fall upon the rock, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Peter was given the strongest evidence of his restoration. Jesus gave his confidence in Peter to shepherd the flock. So, the, so Jesus commissioned Peter to feed both the sheep and the lambs, both the mature and the young. Jesus commissioned all of us also to the highest honor, to spread the gospel message to the world. An honor to build up the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of earth. Jesus says in verse 18, Most assuredly I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Jesus revealed to Peter what will happen if he commits to the call to shepherd the flock. He reveals to him what will happen if he surrenders to God's will. Jesus said, you will stretch out your hands, signifying the crucifixion that Peter will undergo. By no means, Peter's future was a happily ever after kind of future in a temporal way. Jesus was telling him that he will suffer as he has suffered. That he will go through trying times, hardships that he has never seen before. Verse 19, it says, This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he, when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Though Peter's future was bleak in a physical, temporal way, his future was glorious. For by going through the hardships that was before him, he would be glorifying God. And we know that Peter accepted his commission to shepherd the flock. We know that Peter allowed, answered the call of Jesus to follow him. We know that Peter forsook self he put away pride, and he indeed cru was crucified. He was crucified upside down. 
though at this time his answer was phileo to Jesus. From then on, his life showed that Peter had the agape kind of love for Jesus. As Christians, as followers of Christ, it is not always a happy-go-lucky kind of life that we have in front of us. Some of us may experience persecution. Some of us may experience discrimination. Some of us may experience racism because of our faith. We may have to go through many unpleasant things because we say we love Jesus. And the Bible is telling us that through prophecy we know that it's only going to get worse. But we are called to have the agape kind of love for Jesus. And as Christians, we have forsaken the world. We have forsaken self. We have our eyes set high, our hopes in the heavenly things and not the earthly things. We are here to glorify God and not ourselves. Jesus gives Peter a final charge. And it speaks to us today as a final charge as well. Jesus said to Peter, Follow me. Don't fall back into your old habits, but follow me. Even if you know that you will be crucified, follow me. Even though you know that you will face discrimination, follow me. Even though you know that you will face persecution, follow me. Even though you know you will face somebody that will mock you, follow me. Even though you will be thrown into prison, follow me. Even though people all around you may not believe, follow me. Even though all around you may not stand by your side, follow me. Even though you may face racism for my name's sake, follow me. Even if you will lose your job, follow me. Because this world is not our home. We're not trying to make a good life on this world. Because we are not here to glorify ourselves. We are not here to glorify men. But because we are here to glorify God. Because we are here to glorify Jesus and what He has done for us in our lives. Our home is with our Heavenly Father. Our home is not this earth. Will you accept Jesus' call? Because He is saying to you today, Follow me. Have the agape kind of love for me. Graduate from the phileo kind of love. Follow me to the end of times. Jesus is calling you to follow me. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for the agape kind of love that you have for us. That you, I thank you that you are on fire for us. I thank you that you are not driven by emotions. Lord, help us. We are in need of your help to be able to have that agape kind of love for you. The self-sacrificing kind of love for you. I pray that you will be with each and every one of us here today to be able to graduate from the phileo kind of love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.